Uh, let's jump into our scripture today, and we are going to look at Romans chapter 10, verses 5, 5 through 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. And last week, um, I challenged everyone who was here, as well as in our couples group, to, uh, to filter everything that we do through Philippians 4, 8. Um, and we were talking about TV, about every action that we take. TV, the books that we read, the, the, the way that we think. Um, and Philippians 4, 8 says this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy... Think about such things, right? So it seems, that's a pretty straightforward, simple verse. And you you look at it and you go, okay, well, what qualifies in my life as true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? What, What is that? And whatever it is, you dwell on those things. But if it doesn't qualify, if it doesn't fit into this, then don't do it. Let's, let's, um... Let's be men and women who seek after the meat of Scripture and challenge ourselves by it. Let's, let's not be, you know, the, the culture encourages us to be boys and girls who just play, right? We play all the way through life. Let's be men and women who challenge ourselves. And if something doesn't meet this criteria, then, then don't do it. Um, and... and the thing we want to do, which is, which is tough, is we want to kind of push back on this. It's like, ah, I don't want to do, you know, no, this is okay to watch. This is okay to do. This is all right. And, and I want us to, to just do it, right? Nike, right? Just, just be the man or woman who goes after God's righteousness. That was what Romans 1 through 4 was all about, was about righteousness. And so, um, and seeking after God's righteousness. So, when you do this, when you seek after God's righteousness and you cut out all the things that don't fit within this Philippians 4.8 passage, um, what you'll find is that you're going to spend more time with God, you're going to spend more time with your family, your blood pressure will go down. I don't know how it works, but it does, at least with me, right? Um, you'll spend less time breathing in the things of the world, and at the same time, you'll still be able to to be in the world and engage the world spiritually. You know what I'm saying? The people that are around us spiritually. What you'll also find is that you're going you're gonna to be awakened spiritually to the things around you. Um, all the people that you need to take the time to pray for. We talked about that a little bit last week. All of a sudden, those things will just come to your mind because you're not distracted. All the time that you've gained, the production you've accomplished, that'll all be part of it too. You'll also become, and this is what we probably want to avoid, you'll become acutely aware of your sin and of the Holy Spirit speaking to you as well, whether it's about sin or whether it's just an encouraging word that he gives to you. For a lot of people, we waste time just so that we can avoid our sin. You know what I'm saying? We just, "Ah, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to deal with that. That's shameful. It's hurtful. But if we let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts, then we'll find that we'll be changed. And we'll change more and more and more. But the things of this world can easily distract us. Um, It's like not having a continuous conversation with somebody. For for example, Tia, um, 
How was your morning? What did you do this morning? Yeah? What else? Give me some details. Yeah? Wait, hang, hang on, hang on to you. I need to take this. Hello? Oh, that's a good idea. We should, we should do that. Yeah. Uh, charcoal's just open. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Me and me and David went there. It was it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We maybe I'll call David here in a minute and I'll I'll see. All right, man. All right, bye. Anyway, I'm sorry. What what were you what were you saying, Tia? <clears throat> wait, wait. Before you know, I had to ask um, Katie a, a question. Katie. Um, are, are you singing next week? I can't remember. I don't, you don't know yet? Okay, okay, we'll come back. Okay, I'm sorry, Tia. Go, go ahead. Tell me, tell, me, tell me about your day. I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm all ears. Hey, we're trying to have a conversation here? Okay, this is between me and Tia. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, you look lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, David, hang on one second to you. How's work going, man? You moving back, you move back into the house. Is that, that's a totally different situation, huh? Yeah, get, get with me after church. I want to talk to you more about that because I'm at, I'm at home and, man, sometimes it's tough and so maybe I can get some advice from you. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry to you. Go, go ahead, go ahead. You, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm with you. you I was listening. I heard you. I, I had just have things coming to my mind. I got to take care of them right then. Yeah? How's that going? Matt, does he give you, does he give you good conversation or is it just kind of like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh? Attaboy. Attaboy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Okay. Andy, how you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Hi. Oh, I love this TV show. This is great. This is great. We got an hour, right? We'll just... We're good. Oh, this is it's fantastic. Have y'all ever seen this? It's been on for 12 years. If you haven't seen it, then you really just see it. Yeah. Good show. NCIS, right? See, let's finish our conversation. Let's wrap this up, okay? When you came this morning, did, uh, did you miss the traffic? Did you miss the, uh, the, uh, the runners and everything, or did y'all get stuck? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got stuck in it. I texted everybody, and then and then I and then I got off at St. Charles anyway. Yeah. You made it here. Yeah. All right. All right. How was that coffee there, Anita? Amazing. It's amazing. 
They don't have coffee up in Hammond. So. <laughs> they don't have drive through coffee in Hammond. So, so that is an example of our lives, of our everyday lives, of how we deal with the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we're like, I'm going to sit here, and I'm just going to listen. And then the baby cries. Well, you obviously have to take care of the baby, okay? I mean, there's, you, you do. That's, that's kind of one of those things. But it might not be immediate. You might be able to let the Holy Spirit kind of just speak a little longer. And, and, and when we're doing this stuff, really, you know, babies are one thing, but... Everyday life is another. We just get distracted, constantly distracted. And the Holy, Holy Spirit cannot say everything that He wants to say because we're too busy busying ourselves. I'm, I'm the chief of sinners in this. Um, but let me, let me kind of take you to a place. Imagine what it would be like to give our lives to God uninterrupted. You know what I'm saying? And this does occur in your life at times. Um, you, you get glimpses of what God can do because, um, for instance, for me, when I'm mowing the grass, it's this mundane, I'm going in a circle, and the circle gets smaller and smaller. It does not take thinking power. It doesn't take anything. So I literally will do three messages in a 45-minute span, I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. But I can't write it down, and I don't write it down, and so you never get to hear it, so it's just for me. It's just me and God, right? And it's always the stuff that, that's going on in my life, right? If I did those messages, y'all be like, okay, that doesn't affect me whatsoever, you know? Or, or um, you know, when you're, when you're in the shower, you're just there, you know, you're doing your hair, and, I mean, it's just you and God, right? I mean, how often when we're alone... Do we just hear from God? And then we'll interrupt or let something interrupt us. And so I want us to understand that we need to get away from the things that we, we willingly put into our, our hearts through our eyes and through, through our ears. Um, Matthew fifteen seventeen through 20. Matthew fifteen seventeen through 20 says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? Okay? It's kind of like, okay, it's gross, Jesus. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. Right? For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean unclean. And so these things do not lend to a church that is seeking God's righteousness. And so we have to strive and it is going to be an uphill climb. That's that's part of it. The world is against us, right? It's not it's not going to to be for you to grow in a relationship with Christ. It it is going to be an uphill climb. And so you have to strive to be obedient to God. And last week, you know, I said, this is a repentance thing. This isn't a, I'll do away with it for a little while and, and, and come back to it and see if it's any better. This is a repentance thing for a lot of this stuff. It's a righteousness issue before God. And so as we, let's take a look at Romans 5, 10, 5 through 10. 10, 5 through 10. Now, let me ask you guys something real quick. Can you think of something simple 
that we as people, maybe you individually, personally, tend to complicate. Something simple that we tend to complicate. Is there any, any examples that you can think of? Kind of a, con- a tough question, I know, but I'm throwing it out to see. Something simple that we tend to complicate. Communication, yeah, communication. That's a good one. Yeah, it's so easy to talk, and yet we don't do it, right? I'm bad at that, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's with every couple. I'm the, I'm the one, I'm the bad one on that one. Lou's like, of course, she knows I don't like Asian, but, you know, somebody else suggests not Asian, not, a, yeah, Asian food, Asian food. He is mad at me. Um, so anytime, anytime she's like, you want to go get Asian? You know, she forgets or something. I don't, I don't like Asian. Oh, we got to go get burgers or pizza. I want to go get burgers or pizza. That's the best food out there. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. Uh, Paul is actually about to explain to us how we complicate salvation. He's about to explain to us how we complicate salvation. And so many people look at these verses and, um, and you look at them and you're like, I have no idea what Paul's talking about here. All right, so take a, so take a look, and, and uh, y'all tell me if you have any idea what he's talking about here. Verse 5, Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. Okay, pretty, pretty simple, right? Um, he's quoting Moses. Moses says, hey, there's the law. They, you know, you got the law. There's all these rules and regulations. But what, this, what he's saying here is this is actually... This is actually a relational statement. And so we look at it as, as oh, rules, regulations. But jump over to Leviticus 18, 1 through 5. Now, I'm, I'm trying to model this for you because I know that um, we, we struggle with Scripture reading and, and getting into the Word. And, and if you don't have a Bible that, that um, you know, you'll read something, you're like, I don't have a clue what this is talking about. Um, there should be like a little letter or something or, or something down at the bottom to where you can, you can see, and it'll reference another scripture. And then you can go to that scripture. So here's what, here's what uh, Moses is talking about. It says, uh, uh, Leviticus 18, verses 1 through 5, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. This is a relational statement. Because there were the Israelites, and then there was God. Right? And the, I mean, if, if you were in their situation, you're looking at them going, that's God. What do we do? Right? Because he's revealing himself as a pillar of fire uh, at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. How do you relate to that? And so he's trying to say, this is, this is what, verse, uh, verse 3, you must not do as they do in Egypt, where, the, where you used to live. You must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So God is describing a relationship, what it is going to be like to have a relationship with them, and He's narrowing down for them what this relationship will be. He's given parameters and guidelines and guardrails here. Now, 
the, the Canaanites and the Egyptians, they all did these. In order to have salvation or enlightenment in life, they would uh, encourage you to take a trip, right? And this isn't un- unlike a lot of religions today. Can y'all, y'all think of any uh, religions that you should take a trip? What's that? Islam? Yep. Yep. Yep, you travel to you travel to Mecca for Islam, and you you walk around the oh, I forget what they call it now. It's slipping my mind, uh, but it's it's the big rock, and you see pictures of it, and it's actually an incredible picture. Um, but but it's just a trip to go walk around a rock. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be insulting, but um, ultimately that's that's what it is. Uh, what's the Mormonism? Yeah, what's what's the trip Mormon, Mormons take to Salt Lake City? Oh, that's right. Yeah, the two-year mission mm-hmm. when they turn what it's between eighteen and twenty-two or something like that. Yep. Yeah, Buddhists. Um, Buddhists try to emulate Buddha. Um, if I remember right, that where Buddha went out into the the wilderness for years and years and years and came back and said, "I've found enlightenment." Um, and so they, they'll try to do that. Uh, I, I want to say that uh, Hindus d- do something similar to that as well. Um, but here's the thing, <clears throat> these guys, they're taking this trip, and, um, it's just not, not necessary. Look at verses 6 through 8. Now, y'all tell me if y'all understand this. But the righteousness that is by faith, so the previous verse in verse 5, that's the righteousness that is by the law. The righteousness that is by faith, in this word faith, we talk about this all the time, what is the word faith for us? Trust, Right. The righteousness that is by trusting Jesus says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Right? So, anybody understand that? Does that make sense to anybody? No. And you're going to hit these verses all the time, right? Where you're going to read something, you're like, what in the world? It's like Paul's off his rocker. This is crazy. Again, this is one of those moments where you, where you look and you find, you know, like a, like a little parenthesis or something that says, go to this verse. And in this case, Paul's actually quoting Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30. So let's go back to Deuteronomy 30. Now, in Paul's culture... Hey girl, in Paul's culture, what's going on is he's quoting something. And when you quote something, the whole verse, like the whole chapter, they didn't have chapters, but the whole letter, the whole book comes to mind. So when Jesus, for example, is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I used this example before. Um, he's not asking God, why have you forsaken me? He's, he's referencing a psalm. And the psalm foreshadows Christ dying on the cross. He's not really asking, God, why are you forsaking me? Because he knows that he's not forsaking him. And so this is another one of those times where everything comes to mind. Now here's, here's what we miss, but what they get. Okay, Deuteronomy 11, 14, 11 through 14. It says, now I, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. 
This is important. This is, if, if you don't take anything home but this, this is what I want you to take home. What Paul is asking us to do is not too difficult for us, and it is not beyond our reach. In verse 12, this is the quote, It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that we have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to use to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. So Paul is making very clear to us what we, are, what we are doing here and what he's about to tell us is not too hard for us. And not only is it not too hard for us, but we don't have to go on some esoteric trip to get enlightenment. We've got it already right here. Now what is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that we are designed with a heart that knows it is right to obey God. And then this, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. As Christians, we probably all know this verse. But here's the thing. When we look at this verse, we go, this is how you're saved. But the context is a little bit broader than that. Because Paul's talking to Roman Christians. He's talking to us as Christians about how to speak to people to, sh- to tell them you can have a relationship with Jesus. Look what he says. Verse 9, again. What do you have to do? You confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's it. That's all you got to do. Because when you believe in your heart, repentance comes. That's how you really know if somebody has truly latched on to Christ and is truly following Christ, because their lives change. And repentance is ongoing. If repentance is not ongoing in your life, it's not ongoing in my life, then we need to evaluate our our walk with Christ. We need constant repentance that comes out of believing. And listen, here's here's the thing. You confess with your mouth and it says, uh, excuse me, uh, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you believe God is who he says he is. Because that is the ultimate power of God for us in our lives. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, then the things that you deal with, that I deal with, eh, he can handle it, right? We're good. I mean, the, the financial stuff, we're okay, right? The, the anger that we deal with, we're okay. We can, we can get through this with God's help. And so when, when God comes into our lives and we believe, he begins to change us. This is all we have to do when we share Jesus with somebody. We don't have to make it complicated. And we do, don't we? You turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't have to do that. It's real simple. You just say, listen, if you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life, you don't even have to use the word confess. That's kind of weird, right? If you just, if you just give Jesus your life, and you truly believe that God raised him from the dead, 
you're saved. And you have to live that out. And you believe that. Belief, this word belief is not like, I believe it now, but later on, eh, you know, I'll question it. This is you believe. It's an ongoing tense for this word. And then in verse uh, 10, we'll close up. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Your heart, remember we talked about what's in your heart comes out of your mouth, right? So if we have all this stuff that we're watching, we're pouring it into our our minds and it's no good, um, then we need to understand that we're going to be distancing ourselves from Christ. But if we're pouring Scripture into our lives and we're pouring Christ into our lives, and we're pouring the things of God and the things of heaven into our lives, and we're sharing Jesus with others, then what's in our heart is going to naturally come out of our mouths. Right? So this is a good indicator for us as a church, for us as individuals, to say, how often... Do I share Jesus? Like, even the desire. I mean, how often do I just have this desire to share Jesus? Like, it's burning within me. Is it great? Or is it small? Because that's what's in your heart. That's how close you are to Jesus. That's how you know where you're at with the Lord. Now, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe. Um, A lot of people will say, Well, you know, I can be a Christian without... um, Without actually saying I'm a Christian. But that's, that's actually not the case. Because if you are embarrassed to say you're with Christ, then you're not really truly following Him. And in fact, Jesus, Jesus says in, uh, let's see what it is, Matthew 10, 32, He says, Whoever acknowledges Me before men, I will also acknowledge Him before My Father in Heaven. You have to vocally declare your relationship with Christ. This is why people say a prayer uh, when they begin a relationship with Christ. This is why people, um, you know, uh, declare uh, in public at church services. Um, And so you have to do these things. Now, you believe with your heart and that's how you're justified. God justifies you through your heart. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. You're confessing that you are a sinner. You're confessing that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And so... This is the thing. Paul's talking to Christians and he's saying, guys, you have Jesus right here and it's so easy to share him. And all you have to do is say, listen, uh, you just need to, to give Jesus your life, make him Lord of your life. And you just need to just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's it. And so when you feel the Holy Spirit telling you to share Jesus with somebody or, or the opportunity arises that, that someone around you is ready to hear about Jesus, um, don't make it complicated. Take the opportunity, seize that opportunity, and just tell them exactly what Paul says to tell them. That's it. From that point on, when you speak, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives it power. It's not you. I mean, Paul says, I, try to, I, I don't try to speak with eloquent tongue. You know, I, I would love to meet Paul. I imagine like this bald guy. I don't know why. But I imagine this, this bald guy. One day I'm going to be bald. And, and, um, and, and he's just kind of like 
you know, lumping along, and, and he just shares Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit's power is on it. And that's what he does with us. We have the Holy Spirit, and so the power is on those words. And then when we do that, we just let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let him work in the person we're talking to. And then from that point on, it's his job. Now, it's our job to disciple, and it's our job to walk and guide and, and keep, keep them away from Satan's tricks and schemes, but we have the word of li- words of life within us right here. No trip we've got to take, right? All we have to do is make sure we're living for God's righteousness and that we're sharing with Jesus around us, and we don't have to make it complicated. And we can do this because God's power is behind it. Right? Yeah? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this scripture. And thank you that um, we can be confident when we share Christ with others. Last week we, we talked about how we just, we don't want to be rejected. But God, I fear rejection from you more than I fear rejection from men. And so may we, may we constantly be confident in your power and in your direction. And even when people turn us away... May we know that your word is clear and that it says that when we speak your word, it does not return void. It anchors into somebody's heart. It sinks there in their mind, ready to pop up at at the moment they need it. Father, use us. Use us in this, in our friends, in our family, our coworkers, our neighbors. Father, use us to share how good you are to us. So, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, thanking you. Amen.